Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 153, and a half. That's right. We're finally back in this, back in the and a half business, and with my man, Cold Coffee, John Morgan is here. We're at the Casa de Cold Coffee, and UFC 222 is in the books. We finally put a little bow tie on all of our work, and we can throw on the headphones and talk about some UFC action, Cold Coffee. Fun night, man. It was a good night. It was a good night. A lot of good fights. Uh, a lot of decisions, uh, but even the decisions, I think, were, were, for the most part, pretty good fights. Um, yeah, it was good. It was, good yeah. Night. You mentioned the decisions. I mean, and we'll talk about that shortly, you know, the, the split decisions and all that. I mean, it was a little bit up and down. I was sitting next to, to Kevin Ioli and Brett Akamoto at the, at the post-fight news conference, and, um, you know, I think Kevin was saying, I was a little bit up and down for my taste, but you know what? I, I, I kind of subscribe to that theory that Dana White always talks about. When you go out on a high note, when you go out – on the rise, it feels like the whole thing kind of lives well in your mind. You know yeah. what I mean? So there were some moments that kind of, you know, weren't necessarily the greatest, but I thought there was enough excitement through the night that it felt good. And, of course, we went out on two incredible high notes, one after another. And, I mean, really, you could go three deep if you wanted to, but the, the top two really delivered the fights that we were hoping to see, starting, of course, with Chris Cyborg retaining her women's featherweight title. First-round TKO over Yana Kuniskaya. Now, of course, it was the result that everybody was expecting. I mean, Cyborg, one of the biggest favorites of in, in mixed martial arts history, but Kuniskaya made it a little bit interesting, right? She it did. was it was kind of fun. I mean, Cyborg. There was a moment. There was a moment. I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, Cyborg comes out, and it seems like right away she lands the right hand. I thought, oh my god, this thing is gonna be over in like seconds. Yeah. And uh, but Kuniskaya, to her credit, pushed forward, got the takedown. And uh, had some moments there. Nearly got the back as Cyborg was getting to her feet. Uh, you could tell Cyborg wasn't too worried about it, man. She basically just got up and turned around and exposed her neck. Uh, and and, and Kuniskaya got there. She held the fight against the cage for a little while. I mean, I won't say tense moments, but there were exciting moments, right, where you thought, oh, my God, we might have ourselves a little bit of a fight. Yeah, it, it definitely – there was – it was short-lived. But there was that moment, you know, when, when she was kind of – putting the arm around the neck and you're like wow is this is this really going to happen but when when because we didn't get the full when she went in for the single leg you know you couldn't tell how much damage was given mm. given by that first strike and so it wasn't quite sure but you know when when so when that's playing out i didn't have any fears about cyborg getting taken right then she was just she was so at ease mm -hmm. and we'd seen that before where she kind of got into deep waters but she just now uh just doesn't get rattled in those moments. You're right. You know, she just kind of just keeps breathing or eat at an even pace and just waits for the other person to eventually tire out. I think she just assumes. I mean, and we've heard how strong Sabord actually is. Even BJ was saying the other day, like she's as strong as a dude. When she was on, when she had his back and was rolling with him on, on the ground, was saying that she's every bit as strong as a guy. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times when these women get in there and start putting her in these positions, Cyborg, and especially early on in the fight, is confident that her strength eventually is gonna is gonna pull through, you know. And and we saw one of those that happened tonight, where you know the when she got her back taken, she wasn't scared, she wasn't worried about anything. She just had to kind of let it kind of play out and was able to turn it around. And then when she landed one of the first shots that we could actually see the damage take place, you know, 
Yana, you could just see it in her face. We've seen it many other times where it's just you could tell she didn't want it. We didn't want to be in We always anymore. say you can see that moment in every yeah. cyborg fight where somebody gets yeah. hit flush and goes, oh, gosh, I don't, I don't want this, this anymore. This sucked. And, you know, and, and I love the fact that Chris at the end was like, yeah, you know, she said I couldn't punch. You know, I wanted to, you know, give that to her, you know, and so she got to get a little payback. So she probably put a little extra oomph in there. But uh, Chris has been maintaining, just controlling her energy in these fights so good lately it's she's like she's still herself. getting better right I yeah mean, she is she can't get any stronger yeah she can't develop any more power right yeah but if anything she can only herself. if anything especially with the power and stuff you can only at this point say that at some point it's going to start diminishing right I, you know somebody said earlier when when are we, we going to find this person that's going to be that has the answer to chris right now there is no answer i think the the part that's going to finally catch up to chris one day is just chris is not going to be the same Chris. When she starts you know? to break down When a she starts bit. to eventually, her body's going to start, you know. But when is that going to happen, you know? Because at this point, I mean, she does. Her technique and the way that she's controlling herself, she's maintaining so much better than what she did before. So her cardio now seems so much better because she's not expending so much energy in the early parts of the fight like she used to. And she's only 32. See, I mean, that's crazy to think that she could have at least another probably eight years of just dominating people. At some point, I want to say that eventually the wear and tear is going to start showing, you know. But when does that happen? You know, I mean, is that three years? Is that five years? I mean, it just she's just so strong and so powerful that you need somebody of equal sort of mass and and strength and speed to kind of really – counter that and right, right now we're not finding it but they're not finding the person i'm sure there's somebody out there somewhere you know that that's flying underneath the radar but you know when it gets to you know looking at chris her technique is is still improving right i mean she's getting better which is just scary because she's already so dominant but i think right now what's happened is her power has carried her so much but now that the fact that her technique as well and the way that she's controlling herself I mean, it's just, it's even more dominant. I mean, and it's almost like she's, by controlling herself, she lets it seem like these fights are closer than what they really are. Um, whereas before, you know, she would just kind of go in there and was taking them out with the just hits. Just overwhelming you know? people right yeah, from the start. Yeah, just overwhelming them too much, you know. And then I think people realized, okay, now I got to keep her running. I got to keep her going. And then I think she had to realize that, okay, if people are going to make me run, if people are going to make me kind of find them, I got to start controlling my, my energy of what I'm putting out. You know, let me be smart about what it is and let them almost lull them into thinking that they have a chance in this fight. And then they're going to come forward and they're going to come strike. And when they come to, to strike, all I have to do is land that one shot on them. You know? I, I like that. And then I mean, it changes. I, I, I like what Kuniskaya did, you know, with the grappling. With I mean, I think that's what you got to try to do. I mean, Kuniskaya comes from a background of striking. I mean, she's been Taekwondo since she was a little kid. And, and, and she's got great technique and, and good form. But, you know, just watching the open workouts, watching her old tape, you can see it's not the same speed. It's not the same explosiveness, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that, that Cyborg has. So I think even though she has that in her arsenal, to try to match that uh, shot for shot would not have worked that well. So I thought, yeah. I thought Kuniskaya did what she could do to, to make it interesting and make it intriguing. And um, as you said, you got to have the size. And Kuniskaya kind of had the size, but she said straight up, I'm going back down to 135. Like, Yeah, I mean, she's got it in, at least in terms of height. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like the thickness and overall, uh, just Cyborg is very, very muscular. She's just very, very thick. And um, 
Diana, wow. I mean, she's got the size, at least in terms of height. I mean, she it's just not the same thickness. I mean, it, she's uh, I mean, she's fun to watch, you know. But that's the difference, I think, of sometimes, you know, these other more traditional martial arts, you know, as compared to, you know, somebody that's a brawler, an MMA mm-hmm. fighter. You know, even though they all say, you know, they're all MMA fighters, you know, and all these techniques are in it. But, you know, somebody can be so good in karate or whatever – and just probably destroy people in a karate tournament, mm-hmm. you know, or a taekwondo oh, yeah. tournament, you know. And then you get in there where it's like, all right, that technique and that beautiful form that you have, it's not going to last. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't hold out. And and then you bring the power and the devastation that, you know, Cyborg does. And it's just all that goes out the window, you know, all their technique and all everything. Then you just go into survival mode. And then it's like what is most deeply rooted. But, um I was excited to see Jan. I'm and I, I'm I'm excited for her to be around. I mean, I think she she has the look. I mean, she has mm-hmm. the skill. I mean, she's definitely marketable. I mean, even just looking at the uh, you know some of the other post fight numbers and everything. I mean, people are interested in her. They right. want to see her do well. So um, it's just crazy. I, you know, I finally went onto her Twitter earlier today and saw that. You know, she doesn't tweet a lot, but I'm sure that's one of the things that as she's with the UFC, she'll see that that's more of a bigger part. Right. But one of the last tweets that she was like three or four tweets ago, it was this opponent that her original opponent that she was supposed to have was like a four and one, you know, person. It was just like, that's what she was preparing for. (laughs) And then you're stepping up to, you know, pretty much the baddest woman fighter in the world. And uh, she took it 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 like a champ. Yeah. I mean, it's. Unreal! It's unreal what uh, she was faced with, but took it head on and was, you know, excited to get in there. And uh, she's earned a place. I mean, I agree. There's, there's definitely a spot for, and, and this is the type of talent that the the UFC definitely needs because, you know, it came up later on in, in conversation about this new breed, the younger breed. Not that she's the youngest, but this, just the new crops of fighters mm-hmm. coming up. And this is the type of person that kind of. Fits the bill. I mean, uh, I agree. A talented, marketable fighter. Yeah. I think she'll she'll find a way. All right. So let's talk about what's next because Cyborg. It looks like you know from what's coming out of her mouth, from what's coming out of Dana White's mouth, it sounds like the Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes fight is is what's next on the horizon. Um, that kind of apparently may scrap a planned Amanda Nunes versus Raquel Pennington fight. It also means that Megan Anderson, who's still shouting out and saying she wants to be involved, is is going to get skipped over <laughs> in line too. But are, are you? I, I gotta say, I want the Nunes fight next. Oh, I, I do. That's too. what I want to see. I completely see. do. But I mean, this is also the same guy that's like, I don't match make on fight night. And Dana talks. He'll say he'll say something out of emotion, and then later on, you know, it's. It could be the fact of, oh, hey, Dana, I know you. I appreciate that, but hey, paperwork's already actually been signed. We just haven't agreed to well, that, to, it, to to, to that, say it yet. That is true because I, I will say this, you, you know, and Dana, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in the UFC. Yeah, he doesn't always have every single know. one. Of, so you know, in his head, he could be thinking that like, you know, Sean and Mick told him, hey, we're going to build towards that Nunes Cyborg yeah. fight. But we still got to do, you know, yep. Nunes Pennington first. I mean, so yep. he might. I mean, you he never might know. not even be sure that he he might be unaware that that's already been you filled out and you signed. You have to be careful sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I take it with a grain of salt. I mean, it does seem like the fight that should happen, um, but I don't know. It just seems like the other one. Everything that we've heard, and you know, people have sort of, you know, broke the news that it's going to be, and that's usually comes after. 
you know, people have talked to camps and camps have told them, yes, you know, we've either signed the paperwork. You know, mm-hmm. usually if it's gotten to that point, it's beyond, oh, hey, somebody's just approached us with right. this or whatever, you know. So as as, as good as uh, the prospect of, of that fight getting scrapped and, and going with this one, the fact that it didn't happen already and uh, this other stuff sort of happened, I'm kind of thinking that we'll probably still see the Pennington one, because I'm thinking that paperwork's probably been signed that Dana's not aware of. Um, but who knows? I mean, things can be, uh, and even if things are, I mean, for the right dollar amount, people will agree to not fight, even though there's already a contract. We've I'm, seen that happen before. We have. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. No disrespect to Raquel Pennington, no disrespect to Megan Anderson, because I think that would be the backup matchup for each of those fighters. But right now, give, man, give me Cyborg Nunes. Yeah. You know, Nunes has a tough cut down to 135, so she's more of a natural featherweight. You know, she's she's going to yeah. be closer in size to Cyborg. Cyborg Not as Nunes. big. Yeah. Cyborg's big, but I love that fight. You know, both of them had, had kind of in the past mentioned they weren't, you know, too crazy about Brazil versus Brazil. Now they're okay with it. Stylistically, the way they match up. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to happen. I think it'd be a lot of fun. It's going to happen. I mean, I, I, and especially, you know, as much as built up. I mean, I think Brazilians, they're definitely – very proud of they would rather have two champs Mm -hmm. instead of you know just one champ but you know they understand they're also two big big stars over there that i think that you know it's it's bound to happen and that helps you know as much as i mean think about it as much as they hate and and they'll openly tell you they hate brazil versus brazil but if you ask them what the kicking off point was for the current popularity it was anderson silva versus vitor belfort yeah you know what i mean so as much as they hate brazil versus brazil when it's the right matchup at the right time, when it's not just two random Brazilians yeah. being thrown against each other, and I think this is the right matchup at the right time, I think you can overlook that. And, yep. and look, I'd love to see it happen in Rio. Uh, I'm not going to be in Rio. I know that already. Um, it's my son's birthday, May 12th, and I, I, I've already missed a couple of his birthdays, and the dude's only six years old, and I promise I won't miss any more. So it's, you'll probably be the one down there, but I, I would love to see that fight in Brazil. I think it would make – um, I think it would make a lot of sense. I mean, they're talking about trying to do it in July. We heard Tito Ortiz running in from the back in the press conference and saying, because I, I, I was yeah, like, I well, couldn't could quite you? understand what he said. Well, because I, I was asking, you know, Cyborg, could you do May? I mean, I know you said maybe not May, but in Rio, wouldn't it be special? She's like, I don't know. Maybe I could do May. And then Tito comes in from the back and like, I said July. <laughs> He's yelled at her to just say July, say July. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's but, funny. Uh, I was, another I big was trying to figure Cyborg. out what he was saying. <laughs> I couldn't tell. Hilarious. All right, the co-main event, Brian Ortega, and 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 really, what's probably going to be the, you know the story of the night moving forward. But but Brian Ortega with the first round knockout of Frankie Edgar. What a freaking phenomenal fight this was. Even though it was only one round, four minutes and forty four seconds. Uh, I mean, Brian Ortega becomes the first man to finish Frankie Edgar with the knockout. Hit him with the big elbow on the feet, and there were punches on the ground as well to kind of seal everything up. But my goodness, uh, what an incredible performance. I, there's so many ways to attack this because Ortega just continues to to impress, continues to just show so many facets and wrinkles of his game. I mean, this dude is the real deal. and 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 then... On the flip side, man, even in defeat, Frankie Edgar, such a gangster, man. Like, he didn't have to take this fight. We talked about it going in. Yeah. He could have just sat on the side for a couple months and kept the title fight. He said, no, I want to fight. That's what fighters do. I mean, this was great. I, I, I picked Frankie Edgar going in. I thought maybe this would be the night that we figured out Ortega, you know, was the future, but mm-hmm. but just hit that, that upper echelon a little too much. And then 
not only did did he finish the fight, but not via submission. You know, he got the head early, and you think, oh, is he going to get the choke in? Nope, he doesn't get it. You know, Frankie's moving around. He's sticking and moving, doing everything that he does. And then all of a sudden, Ortega gets it done with the striking. And I just blown away, man. T-City, I, I, I've, I've, you know, no hiding it, man. I've been a fan of this kid for a while. Uh, enjoy having conversations with him. I mean, he, just a, a, a cool, laid-back cat. But the dude is just an amazing fighter. Yeah, and thankfully when he goes to the MMA Junkie staff picks, he will realize that there were some on staff that did believe <laughs> in T-City. This guy being one of them. Um, no, I was, I was, uh, you know, and I had actually even questioned it. Seeing uh, Frankie at the open workouts and seeing how crisp his hands were, and his hands were showing off tonight. Oh, I yes, mean, like were. he, he was pretty much, you know, a lot of guys in the back were saying that he was controlling that round. I thought so. until he got stuck. I thought so. You know, but seeing that move, and you know, we we're and we watched. I mean, Brian threw some of those elbows during. Uh, the open workout, but that was not one of the things that I thought would catch him. But there was the way that he was able to catch it was just so effortless, you know, that just makes you think that this guy's striking is right there. I mean, it's dangerous for him to just kind of weather that storm of, of Frankie coming, not lose his composure, kind of keep his bow, you know, keep his head about him, and still be able to figure out the timing while he was taking that shot to be able to deliver that elbow. You know, as Frankie was coming in, it was, and it was devastating. You know, I think I maybe saw that Frankie looked like once he kind of came to, like he thought he was given that, like, oh, that was a little early. I, I, why'd you stop it, kind of thing? Like, what'd you do? But no. I mean, there was no, there was no problem in that stoppage at all. He was, he was at that point just getting hammer fist to the to the head, and that was not going to stop. Uppercut that Ortega through that lifted him off the ground. Oh my. Yeah, God. it's pretty crazy, especially when you watch it in slow motion. But to see his his feet come off the ground, you're like, wow! Like a little Mexican Nagano with braids, just, you know, <laughs> just nasty. You know, didn't know what to think about the braids, but <laughs> I'm not gonna argue with what works. Mm -mm. You know, mm -mm. I'm not gonna argue with what works. So now this was a phenomenal do you performance. son <laughs> phenomenal performance. I mean Ortega, I mean just peaking right now, man. I think you know. You look at the run of fights he's had, just especially in the last couple of months, absolutely incredible. To think that he stepped in on short notice, to think that he did this against the guy. I mean, Frankie Edgar's a legend. Yeah. A absolute legend of the sport, no question about it. Um, and now, now you turn to the fact that it's going to be Ortega and Max Holloway. And, dude, tell me that that's not a fight that just gets you pumped up. And you're talking about good. two young guys. Yeah. Two, and, I mean, just, you know – we're, 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 you know, all we're hearing about, ah, there's no more stars, there's no more this, there's no more that, it's a slow time, and look, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hit, sit, sit here and paint everything out as, you know, this rosy picture or whatever, but when I see guys like this, a fight like this about to happen, I'm not going to lie, Tony Ferguson, Habib Nurmagomedov, I mean, that was the number one fight on my radar, mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm not as excited or maybe even more for Ortega and Holloway. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm still a little bit more because I want to see how Tony does with Khabib. Uh, but I am very, very excited about uh, T-City and Holloway. Actually, I was having that uh, discussion with Helen in the background. Helen Yee was back there and was bringing up. She's like, what do you think about that fight? You know, And there's just so much to think. And with the way that Brian's going right now, the thing that is just kind of 
even though Max is such a different Max than the Max that fought Connor, but you had a situation where you know Connor was a big was a big guy for that weight class, mm-hmm. and Brian is a big guy for this weight class. Yes, and I still feel like his striking's getting better. And the thing is with that particular thing, and when it comes to Max and Brian, I see Max is gonna he's gonna have to keep moving. Yes, he's he's not gonna want to let Brian grab a hold of him because I think if Brian gets a hold of him and gets him to the ground, that's gonna be the difference in that fight. But if Max can keep his wheels going, strike from the outside, keep that distance, and kind of get the better of Brian leading into it, and if he can maintain that distance, he'll start getting those rounds on him that it might eventually dig a hole that Brian's maybe not able to dig himself out of if he can't get that submission yep. or can't get that knockout. But with the power that he was able to to drop Frankie with that um really made me think a lot more in the power that he actually has. You know, everybody wants to say, you know, how dangerous he is when he gets on the submission, but the fact that he was pretty darn dangerous with that one elbow, um, and it kind of came out of nowhere, you know, and that was enough to stop it, the elbow, and then with the uppercut that, but the uppercut was just like following the ice on the cake, you know, the elbow already kind of rocked him and put him to where he was sort of defenseless, um, I don't know. It's interesting, but as of right now, and I love Max, but I would probably just ride my pick through, and I would probably take Ortega just because of his size and the overall skill with the submission. I would probably take him over Max right I'm now. I'm going to be interested to see what the what the betting line is. To be honest with you, I, I and I'm not a big wagering guy. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't bet on fights. Period. Like to me. Yeah. I don't bet on fights, and I don't have anything morally against it. I just feel like it makes me look at the fights differently. So because yeah. of that, I, I I don't do it. But this is one where I'm going to be really interested to and see what the fight. line is. Yeah, and it's a tough fight. You know, first fight like a tough guy like this coming back off from an injury. Mm-hmm. You know, because how is it? Is it going to be 100 percent max? Is it 95 percent max? Is it 90 percent max? Damn well, better be. You know, it's it, it'd be a different situation if this was not a max coming off of an injury for sure. I uh. Man, you know, we, we, were, we were talking about going in, you know, you and I were having conversations with, with people all week long. They were like, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? And, you know, I, I, I know I didn't pull the trigger on her take. I said, listen, man, I, I think, you know, I, I'm going to go with Frankie. I'm going to go with the class. I'm going to go with the experience. You know, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, what I thought would be the better striking. And, again, I think he was controlling early. I think he was doing Frankie Yeager, speed, speed, move, speed, speed, mm-hmm. move, angles, you know. But the thing I kept saying was, man, the thing I love about Ortega is if you make one mistake, and, and not even necessarily a mistake, it's just if he gets that one moment, you're done. But I was talking about his grappling game, and now yeah. he's showing, oh, and he can do that with strikes yeah. too, you know? Because Frankie didn't, he didn't give up, he didn't make no. a mistake. He just, just caught a shot. <laughs> one shot, and yeah. everything changed, man. So yep. just incredible performance. Uh, and then Brian Ortega again, man, all class, man. I, I love this kid. He is. You know, he gets on the mic and talks again about making the world a better place yeah. and about his foundation and, and all that. And then, of course, he came to the uh, the post-fight press conference and, uh, again, what was all class, you know, in, uh, in in victory. Should say, too, Max Holloway actually gave some respect to Frankie Edgar on yeah. Twitter via social media. I thought yeah, that I mean, was – I mean – just That's two good guys. Like it's gonna be, oh. it's gonna be tough to hate on either one of them. You know, if somebody on the outside, you can't really find much to fault either one of those two guys. You they're, know, they're, they're both pretty darn respectful in the in their own right. Max talked about doing the fight at uh, International Fight Week. Um, Make it Hawaii. I was gonna say, dude, bring it to fucking Hawaii uh, I, I for know, final. Give Max what he's been asking for for like four years. Like, I know there wouldn't <laughs> be no media arguing with that. No. 
<laughs> we'll see what happens. Let's see. If yeah. they, if, well, listen, I mean, let's just say this. If they're ever going to do it, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, as crazy as it sounds, I think this fight is bigger than, than the Edgar fight would have been. You know what I mean? Because now you oh, got yeah. Ortega riding this wave. And I think there's going to be – I mean, this is like that next generation stuff. So I know – I mean, I, I mean, the main thing is just the venue, right? Right. I mean, because you need, you need to have a spot that can do Yeah, it. you've either got Blaisdell Arena, which is small, or you've got Aloha Stadium, which is massive, and it's outdoors. Outdoors. And it rains all the time. But, I mean, with enough planning, they can build a structure. Oh, they they'll build, build a, something. Build a little structure. They People build sit something. out in the rain a little bit. I mean, you're, you're in Hawaii. You're in paradise watching fights. You can get a little, it, a little yeah, sprinkle or rain, two. Then the sun's going to come right back out after it. That's it. Know. All right, well, we'll figure all that out in the next couple of months, you can bet. Uh, but right now, let's hear from Brian Ortega, who looked phenomenal once again. Pulled off the upset and did it in spectacular fashion. This is T-City. Brian, congratulations on a, an incredible victory for you. Don't seem to be a guy that gets too caught up in the moment, but I got to ask you, I mean, the emotions right now, stepping in on short notice, facing a legend, becoming the first guy to finish him. What's it feel like right now? Well, maybe not right now. But. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel very happy, you know. Like I, I told Andy was earlier, like, right here, I was screaming and jumping, you know, but outside, I really want to show respect for all of my opponents, you know. I know sometimes in this game, you know, we knock someone out and we run around, and that's just not my style, you know. Sometimes I've done it before, you know, I'm human, I can't help it, but, I mean, I've seen it before. I, in, in my mind, I already, I've done this, you know, so when I seen it live, I was just like, okay, stay cool, bro, stay calm, stay collected, you know what I'm saying, be professional, you've been here before, in your mind, but you've been here before. Nice. Keep an idea as the fight was playing out, because Frankie was having some success early, you know, sticking and moving, using speed and angles the way he does. H how did you feel things were playing out early? Did you feel you were a step behind or concerned at all? No, I wasn't really too concerned, you know. Um, the way I looked at it was, let me see what this guy is going to bring to the table real quick. Let me try to figure out his plan. Um, he came in, he was sticking, he was moving. I didn't see him trying to wrestle, so I put some pressure on him. And then once I really relaxed in there, then I started throwing my shots and landing them, and I was just figuring my, my own self out. And once I did, you know, that was it. Seems like the natural fight next is for the title, Max Holloway. I mean, I know it hasn't been very long, but did you get to have any conversations in the back? Dana, matchmakers, anybody else? Is, have you been told that that's what's next? Uh, I've been told, but I really want to talk to, to the main, you know, to the main bosses and find out if that's true or not before I get too excited. You know, I don't want to get too excited and then have it shut down, and then I'm going to be heartbroken. So I'm just... I'm just kind of just playing it by it goes, and that's, that's the next, you know, in my opinion, I feel like that should be the next fight. Yeah. And last thing for me, Brian, I mean, obviously, that'll, if, if that is the fight, it'll depend on Max getting healthy. But as far as you're concerned, I mean, how quickly would you like that to happen? Um, well, right now, I want to just take maybe a little vacation, you know, go surfing, uh, some black belt surfing, and, um, and pretty much that's it. Once I get some waves and uh, go, go back home and adjust a little bit, Go back to the Gracie University, go teach some classes, go back to the to the normal me, not the fighter me, like the real, like the outside of fighting person who I am. Enjoy that, Brian, for a little bit and then get back to work. Congratulations on the win. Do you think the fact that you showed such good striking there affects the way Max is going to have to fight you? You know he was going to be looking for your grappling, your submissions. Now that you showed hands like that against a guy that's been a pretty good striker, do you think that will affect the way Max will approach you? I've always said it, and maybe the, the way I fight doesn't really show it. I feel like you really have to be in there with me to feel the way I am. And I said it. 
pick your poison you know we can bang it out or we can go to the ground i'm comfortable either way and i feel like you know either no matter what happens in the fight i'll be all right in the finishing shot, I know you hurt him with the elbow, but when you hit him with that uppercut, it's almost like you left your feet uh, to do that. Have you ever, like, you know, sometimes when you hit a really good shot, you can feel it all the way through your body. Did you ever feel like you landed a stronger shot than that particular punch? Oh, absolutely. I, I took my time in trying to finish him. I knew he was rocked. And when I seen that opportunity to throw an uppercut, I mean, I, I threw it with, I'm, I threw it with bad intentions, you know. I don't want to have bad intentions, but when in there, I had, I had bad intentions on when I threw that one and it landed right on the dot. So, I mean, this sort of doubles what John asked, but um, Max has tweeted out tonight already, sort of UFC 226. Uh, does that sound good to you? When's, what's the date? July. July. International Fight Week. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, and then whether negatively or positively, I'm just curious, did the short notice at all affect, you know, what, what you did in there and, and, you know, what you felt like you could do? I mean, with a full training camp, oh, I feel like you're always going to get a better version of myself. I'm always training. I'm always in the gym, no matter where I'm at, I'm always working out. And so, when, you know, when they gave us a call, they said three weeks, I got no problem. And then they said it was going to be a main event. It was like, can... Can it be done? Can I have the Brian Ortega cardio that I always have in three weeks? And we're debating a little bit in the room when we're training. And I say, you know what? The ultimate, the ultimate decision was, let's do the five rounds. And we chose five rounds. And a week later, they said, You're, you got bumped to co-main event. Cyborg saved the card. And three rounds. So it almost was like a tiny relief. But I was ready. You feeling safe up there? I feel like this thing's going to crash down right now. <laughs> Like, you know, like those Final Destination movies, you know, like. Well, and I'm, I am just curious, you, uh, you brought up your charity that you've started, and I'm just curious if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what that does and, and, you know, what the plan is. Yeah, absolutely. The Brian Ortega Foundation is to cater to all people who, who have all kinds of problems, you know, and I'm slowly, surely building it. My first steps have already been taken. I'm finishing the website right now. I've already, all money that I made from my last fight, I spent making the foundation, and now it's it's kind of it's it's set in motion and it's good to go i feel like there's a like i said it before there's a lot of love that needs to be shown and there's some plans i'm doing what's called the t-city scholarship where i'm going to sponsor four to five uh people to train one full year one full free year at the grace university and then i'm going to go out to all the hospitals in la and go visit the kids over there and spread some love hey brian how much did you how much did you weigh tonight oh man oh man I was a little fatty tonight. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yesterday, I weighed myself at 145. Today, I was at 164. When you stepped in the octagon, because I think we all saw it, when you see that size advantage against Frankie, do you get like maybe a little too excited about what you can do with that? Or how do you confront that? No, well, the way I felt was like, if this guy really wants to be on the ground right now, I'm going to be a heavy blanket. So that's, that's what I was thinking in my head, you know? And if, obviously, if you're striking, the more weight you gain, the harder the, your punch is going to be. Brian, ¿tomaste algo de la pelea que tuvo Frankie ante, ante Pantera para obtener esta victoria? 
No, porque mi, mi, mi plan de estrategia era que si él me tumba, pues yo, yo tengo mejor, en mi opinión, mejor piso, juego de piso que, que uh, Yair. Pero él quiso hacer el striking conmigo todo el tiempo y pues dije, ¿sabes qué? Él no me quiere tumbar, no quiere hacer ninguna derrota. Y pues en ese caso, pues a tomar la ventaja de eso y a empezar a tirar, a tirar esos puñetazos. Y sí, sí fue por mis pies una vez, casi le agarré el cuello y yo creo que, que tuvo temor de, de, ir, de llevarme al piso. Y pues también to tomamos la ventaja de eso, cuando se metió tiramos los codos porque ya sé que es más pequeño, tiene pues mis brazos largos, no pueden tirar cuando él está dentro enfrente de mi cara y si no puedo tirar los brazos o tirar los codos y es lo que hice. Perfecto, muchas gracias. Gracias. Felicidades. Hey, uh, Brian, just to, to your right. Real quick question about something that you said to Joe Rogan right after the fight. You mentioned that uh, this is your dreams, you envision all this, you see it happening, but then you also said that I, I have envisioned my fears too, like my fear of being knocked out. Can you? Yeah. That's something that we, we don't really hear much, guys talking about the fear of getting knocked out before a fight. Can you talk a little bit more about that? It's a, honestly, it's a balanced scale where as much as I dream is as much as I have nightmares. Where when I go in there, you know, like maybe like the fight week, I'm like, man, maybe this guy's. Maybe I'm going to be that guy that's on the highlight reel that gets knocked out. Um, maybe, you know, this is going to happen. This, maybe I can get submitted. So I'm always thinking, like, what if these things happen to me? How am I going to react? How would I react? Am I going to be a sore loser? Like, I better be humble. Like, almost like checking myself, you know, if something bad happens. And then the other half is, like, positive thoughts. It's weird. It's a crazy mental game that I go through before I fight. Um, but it usually ends up battling itself out. So I feel like that's what I'm calm after, no matter what, because... I've almost, in my mind, I've lived both experiences, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know how to react when it happens. All right, so that was a victorious Brian Ortega as we welcome in the young Mike Bond, who has yet to make his way back to Canada. He's got a flight to catch in just a couple of hours, but while he's here, we figure, hey, let's bring him in. Uh, real quickly, you know, we've kind of gone through the main economy, but I did want to ask uh, Bond just to... As, as impressed with T-City as we were, I mean, uh, I know, I know you, you know, you're riding that Holloway train all the, all the time, but I mean, I, does this guy look like a viable threat to you? Oh my God, yeah. How, how can you not? I mean, I, I don't know. He kind of ruined it with this failed drug test in his first fight, but I don't know if there's any other fighter in UFC history that started their career with seven consecutive finish wins. Ugh. I mean, that's what it would be if he didn't have that little asterisk and wasn't <coughs> overturned to a no contest. So yeah, dude, he's, he's just unbelievable. What he did to Frankie Edgar, I it's it's insane. I'm so glad I was cage side for that because that's history, man. I mean, Frankie Edgar has spent more than six and a half hours in the octagon fighting. It's crazy. That's the first time he's been finished. Like he's been hurt. We've seen him, and I just kind of assumed he got rocked, and we're like, oh, Frankie's hurt. He's hurt. But I thought, okay, he's he's gonna get through it. He I mean, tried. Think he, back to those Gray Maynard fights yeah, where he's just like, getting just thrown around like a ragdoll, you know? Yeah, and he tried to clinch up with him. I'm like, okay, he's gonna survive the storm here. But like, God, Brian just played it perfectly, got his distance, landed that kind of side uppercut type of thing and just put him down. It was, yeah, he is unbelievable. And I think you guys summed it up so well. That's going to be such an amazing fight to do. And, you know, UFC Hawaii would be awesome. It would be sweet if they could work it out, but I don't think it's going to happen that soon. Um, I think that would be a perfect fight for that co-main event for DC and Stipe oh, at 226. God. Like, that's a perfect fight there just because those guys, you know, they deserve that shine, and you know I think Max Holloway kind of deserves that too. You see the cards they've kind of put him on. I mean, uh, they've gave him like these hardcore kind of fan type cards. Like uh, Toronto had some awesome fights on it, but like nothing, nothing that was 
you know, a super big pay-per-view driver. Detroit was awesome. We had, you know, uh, Gaethje and Alvarez and Overeem and Ngannou, but, like, these aren't fights that, are, you know, are really, really significant, and I think you put this fight in the co-main event there, and they have, like, either one, they have the type of performance, that you, you have a star right there. Dude, this, is, a, this is a star-making type of thing. I hope they they do them right there and put down that one card. one-two combination. That would be at the top. would be incredible. All right, let's talk about the Sugar Show. Sean O'Malley picked up a win over Andre Sukumtoth. Looked like it might come easy, and then it didn't come so easy. Uh, what a what a roller coaster ride this fight was. I mean, Sean O'Malley, um, you know, it was crazy. You know, all week long, kind of watching the feedback on social media, watching our own comment section, watching. You know, Sean O'Malley was clicking, man. He was he was he was the guy you could see. This was a guy that that people were watching. But it seemed like a lot of people were clicking just so they could write in that they hate the guy. You know what I mean? And, and so people were asking me, and, and I said, listen, I, I think this guy's the real deal, man. I, I think the kid can can scrap. And it's been crazy. I mean, yes, his fast rise from, from you know, Tuesday Night Contender Series to a spot on the Ultimate Fighter finale to now a pay-per-view. It's been such a quick rise. But, I mean, this is what everybody's saying. We need new stars, right? We need new talent. And, and I think, that, you know, it was great. And then, you know, then this week there was a lot of back and forth, Andre Sukumtat, and not really a trash talker, but we knew it was going to be a great scrap, right? Stylistically, we knew this was going to be fun, but then it turned into a little bit of a grudge match. You know, Andre Sukumtat ends up slapping the shit out of Sean Shelby <laughs> at the, at the, at the, at the face off the other day, uh, and it looks like it's going to be fun. And then O'Malley comes out and just looks phenomenal. I mean, he is so slick, and, and his striking is so good. And then we saw his grappling is creative and good. Too. I mean, th th it was just a complete performance. And then in the third round, it all starts to go sour so quick. Sukumtat kicks the leg. O'Malley, you can see right away. It was funny. I, you could, he looks down at his leg. Like, it's the, the worst poker face ever. Like, he gets hit in the leg, and he looks down like, oh, what just happened? And then so Sukumtat hits him again, and he has to, like, take all the weight off his right leg. And you're like, oh, my God, this is going to go bad very quickly. And then Sukumtoth, who has been in some amazing fights, this one no exception, another fight of the night type performance, you know, uh, but just makes a horrible decision. <coughs> Excuse me. And keeps trying for the takedown, even though it's got a guy on one leg. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> I would just, I guess, off the top there, Andre Sukumtoth, he could easily be 4-0 in the UFC right, right now. And instead, he's 1-3, and, and it all comes down to poor fight IQ. You know, he had that one fight. He's the only fighter in UFC history to get three knockdowns in one fight and lose a decision. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that came down to him, like, showboating and stuff after he dropped, uh, I think it was Perez, Alejandro mm -hmm. Perez. And, yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, you know, he's walking out of the octagon, he's crying and stuff, and it's like, bro, like... I feel bad for you, but like it's all your fault. You know, he's he's gonna be reliving nightmares of him not just getting up and you know yes. he lets him fight. He throws one leg kick and you know maybe that victory is his right there. Sean O'Malley could maybe not survive that, but dude, Sean O'Malley uh, coming into this fight, I was really I was kind of on the fence here. Like I I had heard that he got you know a a pretty extensive list of potential opponents. I think it was like six or seven guys, and they picked. Andre Sukumtah, and I know there was some people maybe internally on the UFC that thought, you know, maybe not the best choice for him, and I kind of agreed there too. I'm like, this is a tough matchup for him, right. and he went in there, and he looked absolutely brilliant, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in, in a second, but you watch back-to-back -back fights with, like, Stefan Struve and him, and Sean O'Malley's a guy who 
uses his length perfectly. He fight like he knows how to fight tall. He knows how to fight long. Those jabs he was using, all that kind of stuff. He like he fought a brilliant fight out there, and he just looked so good. And it was funny. He he kind of broke the news to me when I was doing the the MMA Junkie Facebook stream at the at the media day that he was gonna turn his hair into cornrows for this one because he said he feels slicker and tighter and stuff out there. And that's exactly how he looked, man. Like just from one fight to another, from his UFC debut to this one, just unbelievable. And you know. He, I think he's doing everything right in terms of being, you know, building himself into being a star. Whether it's you like him or hate him, that which is what you need to be. You need That's to right. be polarizing if just, you want to be just, a star. Just don't want apathy. You don't. And he went out there, and just the moment of uh, that post-fight interview with Joe Rogan when he's laying on his back. I mean, dude, like. I've never seen anything like that. They're announcing the decision. The guy's just holding his hands up on the ground, you know. There's says, you know, drops the line. There's nothing like a, a little medicine won't be able to fix post-fight. And if you know him, you know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, apparently, he has his own marijuana strain coming out soon. And, you know, he's sitting there, I fucking love you, Joe Rogan, like all this stuff. He he just played it perfect. And that's, that's a moment that's going to be able to, people can relate to and are really going to be able to connect with him. And there, yeah, he just did, he nailed it perfectly. And I think, you know, a lot of people were maybe concerned that he was maybe buying into his own hype a little mm-hmm. bit, just coming sure. off those two little things. But, man, he showed everything you want to see. He showed skill. Uh, he showed, you know, patience, a great game plan, a great attack. And, and then, then heart. And then heart and resiliency. And then afterwards, just at that interview, I'm not going to forget that anytime soon. I mean, if we, uh, I think maybe next year for our MMA Junkie Year End Awards, we should maybe try to include a category like best, best post-fight interview or something. <laughs> just so we can give it to this, that one? I mean, dude, maybe someone will get up there I mean there's been some good ones there's been you know, I, guess, I know Rose Namajunas was last year but you know Brian Ortega was great uh, there, I'm sure there'll be some other good ones coming up but damn if that's not the front runner and gonna be hard to take over just unbelievable stuff I'm sold I was excited on you know again we got to see the Tuesday Night Contender Series fights you know in the gym you know from <laughs> five feet away and there's definitely I mean there's something to be said for seeing a fight in person and evaluating talent that close and seeing it with your naked eye versus watching on TV. Sometimes they don't translate a little bit. So for me, I, I was sold on the guy right away. And then, of course, you know, he's a John Crouch guy. And, and, and you know, I talked to John Crouch a lot. And, and, and I, when John Crouch tells me, like, he, he doesn't bullshit. Like, he doesn't. And he's like, I'm telling you, man, this kid's right. So I've been impressed with his rise. I mean, not to say that. You know, every fight is going to be amazing. Not to say that he's not going to have some setbacks along the way, but to me, this is a guy I want to watch, man. He's got style, both, you know, and the way he dresses, the way he presents himself, but just the way he fights. I mean, the way he fights is fun, man. Like, you know you're going to get an exciting fight. So I know the guy gets hate, um, and, and I understand it, but, I mean, that's part of the game now these days, right? you got to be a little bit outspoken. But at the end of the day, the guy can fight, and I think he's really, really fun to watch. And, and you know, the UFC – you know, people talk about the UFC failing to create stars. I think so far they're nailing it with this guy. And listen, you can't just you can't just pick a guy and say we're going to make that guy a star. They got to can't make something. him win. You can't, can't make, make him perform. You can't make him say the right things, fight the right ways, do the. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, man, I, I feel like this guy a wants to be a star and, and b is going to be a star. So I, I'm excited about the future. All right, let's talk about. You mentioned um, Stefan Struve, Andre Olaski, Stefan Struve. <sighs> not the greatest fight of all time. You know, I picked Andre Olaski coming into this fight, and I'll be honest, I, I, I think I was picking more with my heart than anything else. Just uh, Andre, man, been covering the guy for so long. And, hey, your heart led you right. Oh, man, you know, he's had his ups and downs, and, you know, he had the losing streak, and, you know, he still always kept his head up. And, uh, you know, this is a guy, another guy that, 
you know, whether or not you want to use the, the, the word legend, I mean, he's definitely one of the most recognizable figures in mixed martial arts history. I mean, he was the star for, for, for a big t- time for the UFC. And then he left the organization and he came back. And, you know, he used to be kind of a, 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 an asshole back in the day. And then, <laughs> and then he became like the nicest guy ever. Uh, and, and so, you know, you kind of pull for the guy. But then Stefan Struve, who is always an, an incredibly nice guy as well, um, and, and then has these, you know, the amazing physical gift that you can't give to anybody, and that is being seven feet tall. I mean, you can't... Six, eleven and a half. Have you ever seen, not to interrupt, but have you ever seen the UFC list at and a half on, like, the no, tail Well, they the made tape? him seven foot not it, that long ago. Yeah, and for this one, it was six, eleven and a half oh, was it really? on the tail of the tape, and I've never seen them do a half inch on the tail of the That's tape. That's so like, I know like, they had him that way for a while, and then they and then they made him seven foot, and, and I didn't know if that was just, like... Yeah, they see, were just is like, he, like, like one of those way. people, like, uh, that doesn't want to be listed as seven foot, because always reminded me not to, like, switch it to basketball talk, but Kevin Garnett, he would always never want to be listed as a seven foot because he like thought there was a stigma of being a seven footer. So he would always say that he was six, six eleven. 11 he and would three always quarters. Make, yeah, it's like bro, you're seven feet. Like embrace it. But anyway, it's gone. No, it's funny. Well, but I mean, listen, this is not a new story with Stefan Struve. I mean, this is the thing that's this chased him throughout his career is that he just does not seem to be able to use his body the way that you know you know you would expect him to use you know just you know long jabs front kicks you know keeping people at bay you know I did think you know he was throwing some kicks at times that there was like okay that's smart you know good but you need more of it and and you know Andre was was able to get inside and get takedowns and and uh, I I don't know Stefan doesn't have that killer instinct that's for sure and and uh, he allows himself to get complacent at times and and I think he allowed Andre to dictate too much of this. Of, of the pace here, and um, Andre picked this. I mean, this was not an incredibly exciting fight. Um, it, it was a little bit ugly at times with some of the eye pokes and, and that sort of thing. I felt like it lasted two hours. It did. That fight. It, it was. A, it was a rough <laughs> one to watch, but I, I think you know Andre to me was was clearly the proper winner. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, not a great fight, but I feel like there's just so much to unpack with it. I mean, when I I guess starting with Stefan Struve, you look at him, I just see a not confident fighter anymore like I don't know uh it, since he kind of came back from the the heart issue right. and all that stuff he just hasn't really been the same guy and like you look at him out there I mean we you kind of summed up perfectly as far as the striking but even his ground game I think and obviously granted he's not fighting the level of opponent or the people with the skill or experience of Andre Arlovsky but like I think coming into the UFC and even early in his UFC career like more than half his wins were like submissions off his back, triangles, armbars. He didn't even like try to do any of that stuff when he was on his back. He just kind of, you know, tried to stand up. I think he got stood up maybe two, three times mm-hmm. from Herb Dean. Like there wasn't much work off his back in this fight or even like trying to do that kind of stuff. So for him, yeah, I don't really know where he goes from here. This is 20th UFC fight. He's only 30 years old, but like you just haven't just a guy that you don't feel like has lived up to his absolute potential. And it's disappointing in that way is on his side. You know, he's and of course, he was so young when he came to the USC, but he's always had from the very beginning like this uh, need to pack on muscle, pack on muscle, pack on muscle. He wanted to be a guy that was like 300 pounds yeah, cutting down 266 to 266. Yeah. Right. He wanted to be the guy that was cutting down. It's not like you look at him and go like, oh, look at all that weight he could lose. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, I wonder if, I mean, maybe that's not the right way. I mean, maybe some quickness, some flexibility, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, Something that would help him in the ground. Something that would help him have better cardio, better pace. You know, maybe he could outpace. I don't know. Maybe there's there is. Missing there's right some, there's got to be. There's got to be something. And you said. I mean, he definitely doesn't look like a confident fighter. Um, I mean, again, I, he's never had that like 
I'm going to come in and just overwhelm you and bully you. You know what I mean? Mm. Which, at that length, man, you should be able to just be like, oh, you want to come close? Boom. You just yeah. got front kicked away. Now, you know what I mean? Yep. Oh, you're going to throw a right hand? Cool. Here's a jab in your face. And, I mean, that's hard. But, you know, you look at guys like Simi Schilt that did it. Like, I mean, there's ways to do it. You know what I mean? There's, there's lots of guys. And, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. And just to touch on Andre real quick, I mean, he – uh, how can you not respect this guy? I mean, he almost seems ageless. Like, he looks the exact same as he did when he made his UFC debut. And I'm looking here at his fight metric. UFC 28 in November 2000 Crazy. is when Andre Alassie fought in the UFC. He made some history tonight. He tied Frank Mir for the most wins in UFC heavyweight history. with was 16. Um, someone, I believe, you know, Kenny's back there. Maybe he can mention it later. But I think someone brought it up to him backstage. And he said, I, I don't give a fuck about the record, <laughs> I think was the exact quote. Uh, so, yeah, for him but dude like how can you not respect this guy he has had multiple chances to just write it in uh you know four fight losing streak five fight losing streak like he could have been done and there's a lot of fighters that would be done Mm -hmm. in his position that would just be like you know i I don't have a name where i can't do this i can't do that and you know you look at his payout of two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars you know that's an incentive to keep going even when the times get rough but still like but i don't uh, get the sense it's just money no it's not he he still he still wants to be great he still thinks that he can be a champion and like you know i I, he already lost to stipe he lost like a minute or something but and he still believes that in his heart and you can tell that's the case and he's doing things to try to reinvent himself he goes in there he got as many takedowns tonight as he has he had had in his entire fight metric recorded career which includes strike force fights affliction fights you know all these other organizations that he's in and he basically you know he topped that and he's adding still new wrinkles to his game at this point at 39 years old so yeah for him how, how can you not expect or respect Andre Olovsky you know I've I was cage side for this one wasn't a great fight I was cage side in Vancouver for Brent and Shaw, like not a great. But there's been some Andre Olovsky stinkers over the years, but it, you know, two fights ago he was on a five fight losing streak, and everyone was writing him off, saying he should be done. I think part of the reason, whether he wants to speak about it or not, he left Jackson Wink is because I believe Greg Jackson, some other coaches there, kind of said maybe maybe it's your time to you know end this thing. But he goes, he beats a 24 year old Junior Albini, and he goes out there and wins this fight against Stefan Struve. Like he can, he's still very capable. I'm not picking him, you know, maybe against the top five guys, but he he can still win some fights in the UFC. I agree. How can you not respect that? He's still there's, there's still a place for him on the cards. I, I don't know that a title run is definitely there. But I know that's what he wants. But he, he can still fight. All right, Ketlin Vieta picked up a split decision win over Kat Zingano. Um, this opened up, of course, the main card. Uh, I thought it was a pretty clear win for Ketlin Vieta. I mean, uh, no disrespect to Kat Zingano. Uh, but I, I did have it 29-28. I thought Zingano showed some heart in the third frame, uh, showed some aggression, you know, finally just let it all go. And I thought she won the third. But to me, even that was close. I think in my play-by-play, I said, listen, I've got this 29-28 Ketlin, but it could be 30-27, and I have no problem with that. So the split decision score um, really surprised me. Of course, this was our, our end of our run of five split decisions, <laughs> yes. uh, which was bizarre. Um, Tied Z- the record for Zingano, most on a card. Crazy. Zingano, I mean, knowing what she's been through, knowing – all the difficulties that she's had, not only, of course, with her with with her husband, but of course, you know, the injuries and everything she's had to battle through. I mean, it's impossible not to cheer for her. Um, her attitude is amazing. Her 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 fierceness, her spirit. Um, but I gotta say, I just didn't understand what she was trying to do tonight. To me, she looked wild. 
Um, I, I mean, the aggression was there, but it, I just didn't necessarily see the tactics. But, but when she got wild, every time like she had some success, she would land. I mean, it was weird there. I thought she hurt her leg at some point, too, yeah. when she just threw a completely non-setup leg kick, and Ketlin checked it, and like she, she limped there for a bit. I thought she'd maybe hurt her knee or something again, and I, I got a little too. concerned. But, but then when she got back up, so she, like she seemed fine in the third yep. round. So, uh, But yeah, like she, it was just bad flight IQ in there, because she was having success when she was at range, but then she would go in and clinch. Right. Right. Ketlin, and every time she clinched with her, she got torn up. She didn't keep She got space. absolutely torn up there. And, like, every time she was working at distance, she was having so much success. And, yeah, it was just – it wasn't great fight IQ. And, you know, maybe – like, we talk about all the stuff she's been through, all the layoffs. Like, this was her longest break between fights, which is crazy to think about. Like, I think it was 602 days or something, Jeez. which is her longest layoff. And, like, maybe we give her a mulligan for this one because, like, of the super long layoff. Yeah. Maybe there was some rust there and stuff. I'd, like, hopefully, you know, kind of like a – Carlos Condit when he came back and fought Neil Magny you're like eh, like this you can see the skills there but like there, there's just a little something missing and maybe it's just activity she's not like you know we'll see when the adrenaline goes off if she's not hurt or anything I'd like to see her do like a relatively quick turnaround I think for my matchmaker piece I said her versus Sarah McMahon I think would be a really good fight two, two people that you can kind of say like uh, haven't really lived up to their potential in a right. way and you know that'll continue for one of them and one of them but one of them will get back on track at least with the big win so I think that's a perfect fight there but yeah I hope I hope she can kind of get the wheel in motion, and because I don't think she's had a year where she's had two fights in a year since like 2013 or 2012 or something crazy like that. So yeah, I just want to see Kat Zingano be active. But you know, props to Ketlin Vieira, man. This girl has kind of come out of nowhere, and she just got back-to-back wins against two former title challengers in this weight class, and that's pretty huge for her. It is big, man. She's she's sneaky good, right? I mean, when when you even when you watch her fight, like I don't think there's anything where I look at, and I'm just like. Oh, you can't stop that. That's a ama- you know what I mean. Yeah. But like she just she keeps working and she grinds and she adjusts her position and she's got good you know she's got good clinch work. She's got good top game. Mm-hmm. She's got good. She's solid and, and 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 she's you know young and she wants a shot at the title. I think Which she's is, got a little bit of work left to go uh, there. But we need but people in that division like her so bad. I mean, bantamweight is a struggle right now. You look at that weight class. I mean, they still. I know she's she's finally finally dropping out. But I think as of like. Prior to Ronda Rousey making like her official WWE signing and all that stuff, she was still like fourth right. ranked in that weight class. And I think now, as of this week, she like is twelve or right. something. But she's still in the top fifteen. And like, like, come on, like you look at this weight class and like half the people have dropped to one twenty five or like you know all this stuff. Just bantamweight is a struggle. So Kellen Vieira, you know, just by getting a couple key wins, she's she's right there. And you know, given the state of the division that they. You know whether it's Raquel Pennington or it's Raquel Pennington and then Cyborg for Amanda Nunes like Kellen Vieira is I still imagine probably a year away from a title sure. shot or something yep. like that she's going to need to win one or two more so but yeah like this is exactly what this weight class needs is like an unbeaten up and coming fighter uh, hasn't done anything to make herself particularly promotable I don't know if you guys did we speak with her this week at Media Day or anything no no no. I, I talked to one person who spoke with her and they said that she was like such a difficult interview she wouldn't give anything at the Media Day so like she's not really doing herself any favors there in terms of being promotable but uh, she can clearly fight so that's you know I guess all you need in this division right now. So, yeah, well, I was going to say, in that division, <laughs> that that might be enough right now. That's part of the equation. All right, uh, Mackenzie Dern on the preliminary card did pick up a uh, split decision win over Ashley Yoder. Um, again, didn't necessarily feel this was a, uh, a split decision, but it was bird, a cl- shout outs. But it was it was a close fight. I'll give that. But I, I thought it was a pretty clear two one. Uh, yeah, Adelaide Bird 
Hollage. But anyway, um, but listen, get your overall impressions, right? Because I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, um, listen, I had my concerns about McKenzie Duren coming in. She's obviously got incredible grappling technique. There's no question about it. But if you watch her rise up the regional stage, she's still very much an unfinished product. Super green. She has a lot of room to grow. Um, you could see it coming in. She doesn't have particularly great takedowns. Uh, now, the fight did go to the ground late in the third round, and once it was there, you could see very quickly, like, her jiu-jitsu is legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, she struggled <clears throat> to get the fight to the floor. Um, she said she wanted to show her stand-up, and she did see a lot of stand-up, but she took a lot of damage with, with Ashley Yoder's jab, you know, straights right at the middle. Dern, you know, loads up, and she throws haymakers, but she's not necessarily setting them up. She came up short on a lot of stuff. She did show heart. She did battle through. She did find a way to win this fight. Um, and I think there's I think there's great days ahead for her. You know what I mean? I, I really do. So I'm not trying to write her off. But I guess, you know, I would say tap the brakes on saying, like, she's, you know, the, the next future world champion next at least Ronda right Rousey, now. Bro. Yeah, well, I never understood those comparisons <laughs> to begin with, to be honest with you. But, um, but I, you know, I to be honest with you, I almost feel in a weird way that this was the perfect debut for Mackenzie Dern because, A, she got 15 more minutes in the cage, which I think she needs all the time she can get. And, B, I think it is one of those situations where now people go, oh, okay, this girl has talent. But, you know, if she'd have come in and won in 60 seconds or something like that, if she'd have picked up a quick win, then now everybody goes, oh, you know, let's – oh, I can't wait to see her against this girl, against this girl. And I think right now people just go like, okay, I'll, I'll tune in next time she fights. And I think that's okay. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I think it was probably the best thing for her. I mean, she had to fight out of her comfort zone, and there, there's definitely a lot of, like, unpolished stuff there, but in a way, like, she can afford to fight like that, because you can run in and, like, load up on your shots and all that, and, I mean, anyone who's a really skilled striker would be able to read her out and counter her and stuff, and maybe, you know, blast her in that sense, but she's like inviting you to take her down and that's exactly what she wants you right know? so she's like okay cut, like i'll throw some crazy wild stuff on the feet because if you want to change levels and try to take me down like please yeah I'm begging cool you to do that but yeah i mean i think i think this was good for her she she is known for her legendary squeeze right in the submissions i thought she, like if she got that takedown in the first few minutes of the round i think she probably would have finished yoder on the back like she did have even just like a face crank type mm-hmm. of thing but when we're talking 14 and a half minutes into the fight like that's a little tougher to do especially when she's throwing as many strikes as she did but yeah she yeah we just need to pump the brakes on her a little bit and she has a, a long way to go she can still be a very good fighter but definitely not you know the blow the debut performance or like it wasn't sean o'malley type stuff and right. you know, speaking of those two shout out to danny rube killing it with uh some of his signings right now right. some of his clients you know doing well but yeah mackenzie dern she she seems to have like you know the package outside the cage i mean the whole uh accent thing is it was like almost more of a story going into this fight than her actual ability but whatever i don't understand why people key in on that like i don't know she's bilingual i don't she, know she lives in brazil sometimes she lives in america sometimes your accent changes when you're around i don't know anyway don't yeah but no she's uh there's a lot there to to like but there's some stuff that you realize like okay like we come in we hype up these prospects and everything but she just wasn't a person that unfolded there and she didn't really say anything at the post-fight press conference about like octagon jitters or any of that stuff like she said she was pretty proud of her performance overall and uh, i guess why not like she got a lot of valuable experience in there but yeah if she's fighting someone that's just a little further up there she's gonna have some more troubles and yeah i think the wrestling is a problem like getting it to the ground you look at some of the most 
successful grappling you know, people with credentials that have come in, like the Damian Myers, uh, Fabrizio Verdum. Like, what makes Damian Myers so damn good and why he's been so successful is because his takedown game mm-hmm. is incredible. I mean, it doesn't always work. Sometimes, you know, like if you're fighting a Tyron Woodley or Colby Covington, maybe it's a little bit of a different story. But like, what we did to Chael and look what he's done against like Rick Story, John Fitch, all these kind of people. He has that aspect of his game. So if you're Mackenzie Dern, I think that's exactly what you need to be working on. You need to get in there with some damn good wrestlers and get a lot of reps in. And if you can add a takedown game there, or even the ability to like, like I'm surprised she didn't even try to pull guard or like do any of that stuff. Uh, she just needs to diversify her takedown and actually getting this on the ground. Cause there's a lot of people with good takedown defense. We saw Ashley Yoder was able to keep her off for 14 minutes pretty much. And when she gets up there, the better and better fighters are going to be able to stifle that. So she needs to uh, find some workarounds. I agree. I mean, look, her, her jiu-jitsu is something special. And, it, you know, when you come into mixed martial arts, if you can have one aspect of your game that's just a tier above everybody else, I think that's a nice head start. But but you got to work in some of the other things as well, especially when it's jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? Because jiu-jitsu is phenomenal when you're in certain positions. But if you can't get to those certain positions, it gets uh, a little bit more difficult. So I, I think Mackenzie Dern still has a bright future head. I just think that she's going to be somebody to pay attention to. That said, I do think she has a great attitude. Um, and, and I think she's kind of, uh, you know, aware of, of where she's strong and where she falls short. And, uh, you know, I kind of like the way she uh, she handled herself. And, again, the UFC recognizing stars, recognizing potential, did decide to wait and hold her until the post-fight press conference instead yep. of bringing her back in sequence the way they did the rest of the night. They held her until the end of the fights. And uh, here's what she had to say. Mackenzie, congratulations on your victory this evening. Uh, we knew that it was going to be tough for you to live up to the expectations unless you did something you know, very special very quick, but you did get the win. How do you feel overall about how you performed this evening? Uh, I feel great. You know, I'm, I'm happy. Me and myself, you know, I, I always feel like a, more pressure on myself than everyone else puts on me. So, of course, I wanted to get the submission. But, you know, like I said, I'm always trying to show that I'm an all-around fighter, you know, like... I didn't go into the fight trying to submit in the first 10 seconds. I I went, I went in trying to do striking, you know. So I think uh, I played a little bit more her game. I didn't think she was going to want to take me down. So I knew I was, like, giving risk to get knocked down or something. Uh, so I'm always trying to show that I can stay stand up. I wanted the cherry on top on the end to get the submission, you know, if it was te- 20 seconds left. But I think that when I wanted to do the takedown, I was able to take down and get the back. So I'm happy with my performance. I think we'll just get better. Ashley certainly had some success, right? I mean, she was landing some shots. We see the the, the black eye there. Uh, She was defending the takedown well. So as the fight was unfolding, were you confident that that you were going to be able to to get the victory? Or were you concerned at all with with what she was doing back to you? Uh, I wasn't concerned, you know. Knowing that I was going to stay standing up, I know that, like, you just need one lucky shot to, to stop the fight. Um, so I wasn't nervous, but, you know, I know, like, the risk that I'm taking by staying standing up, you know. I know that if I was just to go to the ground and, and play my game, you know, it would be less risky. So I don't say I wasn't was nervous or scared that maybe I could lose. But when I saw the judges say, like, one for her, one for me, I got a little bit like, oh, you know, <laughs> maybe it won't go for me, but... Um, I thought it was like 2-1, um, but I think it was a good fight, you know. I knew that she was tough and she was long, you know. It was a little bit hard for me to find the distance, you know, on the second round and everything. So it's a, it's a good obstacle for me. 
Thanks. And last thing for me, Mackenzie, where, where do you feel like your career should go from here? I mean, you are, again, tagged to be in the UFC from the minute you came into mixed martial arts. In some ways, you know, was maybe this good that maybe people won't rush you forward and, and, and maybe give you time to develop? Or, or do you want that fast track to the top of the division? No, I don't, I don't want the fast track uh, to the top of the division, you know. I want to take time, but I definitely want to fight soon, you know. Again, I, I'm all about fighting. I think the next person I'll fight will give me different challenges, you know, and I think that that's what I need to show who I am and the type of fight I want to become. So um, I, I don't think they're going to put me on a fast track to go to the title because I think they, I think I can help the UFC just as much as they're helping me, you know. So I think for sure uh, they don't want to make a bad like a bad matchup, but they want to see good. F I think I showed, you know, I have a lot of heart. Uh, I like to fight. I don't mind to stay standing up. I don't mind to go to the ground. Um, so I think that, you know, they'll take the time, you know, but I, I'm ready to fight. I want to fight again in May, Brazil, you know, I want to fight anywhere. So it, it did seem like they brought a translator into the mm -hmm. octagon afterwards and then you sort of waved it, uh, waved him or her away. Just wondering what, uh, what happened there? No, um, I'm not sure, like, why exactly. Not that I'm not sure. I, th I was thinking that maybe they brought the uh, translator in Portuguese because they wanted me to speak Portuguese. I wanted to speak Portuguese for my fans in Brazil. You know, I always say I have more fans in Brazil than I have in the USA, you know. So uh, I was even going to say Portuguese, but then I thought, like, I don't know if I say English first or Portuguese first. So um, I was going to speak Portuguese or English. I didn't know which one to say first. And then I think after they, they saw that I was speaking English and he didn't translate back to Portuguese, then I think they said, okay, it's better just English, you know, so uh, I think that's what happened there, but I, 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 for me, it was the same either way, you know, I was just saying how I felt about the fight. So Mackenzie Dern stays unbeaten, picks up a win in her UFC debut. Now we bring back in Cole Coffey, who's been sitting on the sidelines. Trying to get some sleep. It's three o'clock in the morning. Why are you trying to sleep? What's wrong with you? All right, let's <laughs> it ain't like I got to catch a plane or anything. It's not like we got to stay up. <laughs> Fair Mike point does. there to you, sir. Fair point there to you, Mike sir. Mike has to stay up. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the rest of these prelims. Alexander Hernandez picked up the knockout win over Benil Darius. Of course, Alexander Hernandez came in on short notice. Uh, told everybody that wanted to listen that he would shock the world. He did. Uh, impressive. He, he picked up a bonus in the process. I mean, what, what a splash in your UFC debut. But I will say this. I mean, this kid was intense, dude. The face-offs, the weigh-ins, the fight. I mean, everything. This dude is 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 intensity personified. But I, to me, it looked like he came out with a little bit of a, of a, of, of a jerk move, man. It looked like he tried to do – a, a little fake glove touch with Benil Darius and then, you know, tried to throw a strike right away. Uh, I, I, I know you talked to him backstage. I mean, you can't take away anything from his performance, but uh, you brought up the question with him. T tell me about his answer and, and uh, I mean, did you, did you buy it? Did, did he did he sway you? What, what do you think? He did actually sway me. And, and uh, you know, how he – I don't want to ruin it by trying to explain it better. In fact, it's just really quick. I'm just going to give you guys the quote of what he did, but he pretty much was gauging the distance and wanted to take Dariush because he knows that once Benil gets, he called it his cadence. Once his cadence gets going and he starts controlling it, he can have his way. So it was part of their decision. They wanted to take that away and push forward. So just quickly, here's the audio of what his answer was to my question. 
I know Dave used to get one time to kind of show one special trick move, the opening coming out, mm. going for the handshake, but then throwing the kick. Was that the plan that well, Truthfully, I wasn't trying to reach for his hand and fake him out of the handshake. I just keep a long reach on my hands. And so I was, I knew that he, we, we, we simulated this start over and over again. I was with a coach uh, when we got this fight call. Um, I don't like to spend too much time watching anybody, and that stands the same for Darush, especially on a short nose fight. You don't want to overanalyze anything. And so, um, you know, we saw his cadence and the way he likes to approach, and he likes to stalk, and he likes to take the center, and then he likes to control people against the ring. So we knew that if I uh, rushed him, uh, very strong um, teeps and press, uh, uh, strong teeps and four press kicks. And so I knew if I could beat him to his side, set the tempo, hit his belly I knew it was soft and I knew that I could I could ruin his cadence uh, upon landing that first shot uh, at which point then we'd start to cut the angles we start to get to the outside that power hand that he has the power kick that he has and start to be dynamic and it unfolded exactly like I've been saying it's going to unfold for the last week um, I, I didn't think it was going to go in the second round and it didn't so that's awesome all right, well, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I guess time will tell. If he, if he, if he continues yeah. to show some uh, tactics that are a little bit questionable yeah. here and there, but we'll cut him some And that's slack. the kind of thing, like, that's the how his whole post-fight interview went was just very, very formulated and just, you know, this kid's sharp. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there was definitely something. There was no easy one quick answer you know, it, it was very opposite of what we first saw when we saw Sean O'Malley when it was like pulling teeth to get him to, to kind of talk. This kid talks a good game, and uh, he's focused. He actually um, is was a loan officer or like, uh, you know, so he dealt with like financial stuff. You know, I forget. That's maybe not the right term for it. But I want to say he was like a loan officer or right. something, you know, and then stepped away from it, you know, decided to go all in. And it's been like three months, I guess, since he's really like kind of went all in, and then got the got this fight, and you know, so the, I think that was that a lot of off. vindication, yeah, for the effort to do it. And, you know, now he's gonna have a little extra money in his pocket, so hopefully he keeps going, cause man, it's sharp, cause he was doing the regular work gig and then giving like three hours to go to the gym afterwards or whatever. I mean, listen, but, he only uh, went forty two seconds, but if he if he can keep up that kind of intensity and pace yeah. for a couple of minutes or even a couple of rounds, yeah. like, he is going to be a problem to deal with. I agree. He's got some power in those hands. All right, John Dotson picked up a split decision win over Pedro Munoz. Again, um, didn't think this was a split decision. Thought this was a pretty clear win for John Dotson. Dotson thought he won all three rounds. I thought he won two out of the three. Um, but bottom line is I, I just think Dotson's quickness, his movement – um, was was enough to, to do Pedro Munoz in. And I'm, and I'm big on Pedro Munoz as well, but I felt like uh, at some point he needed to make some adjustments. It, it just wasn't working. You know, he was giving chase, but, I mean, Dodson's quickness is on another level, man. Yeah. The speed that he moves with is, is unbelievable. I mean, it's it's up there, of course, with, with Demetrius Johnson as the quickest guys in the game. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is when Munoz could get Dodson against the fence, when he could, you know, trap him a little bit, he had a little bit of success, but it's so hard to keep Dodson in any one location. And, um, you know, Munoz finished strong, you know, he, but I just feel like he needed to make some adjustments. I, I still think Munoz is a super talented guy, and he's got a lot of, uh, you know, big wins ahead of him as well. But I, I thought Dotson was the right guy here. And, uh, it, man, Dotson's just – when he's on point, his timing, his speed, and his movement, he is tough to deal with. Yeah, he sure is. And I pretty much asked him, you know, the game plan. You know, I was like – uh, you know, you definitely you could see his wheels, man. When he has his wheels going and he moves around, it's just tough for anybody to keep up. And the same with DJ. If DJ wants to keep moving, you're not going to engage with him unless he decides he wants to stop and engage with you. 
And uh, that's pretty much what Dodson said. And I think that's pretty much his MO for most of his fights is that he just wants to keep moving and engage on his terms, you know, and that definitely happened. So I didn't, this was another one of those ones where I was kind of working in the, in the, in the middle um, of the fight as well. So, but every time I looked up there, I thought Dodson was controlling the yes. fight. So I was, uh, I was a little surprised that it wasn't unanimous, but again, I, I didn't really think too much about it because um, there were gaps in what I was able right, to see. Right. You don't wanna... But every time I looked up, I saw Dodson look like he was having his way, um, except for towards the end there. But, um, yeah, that was a good fight. I, I, I definitely appreciate what Dodson uh, is able to bring to him. He's still got a lot of power and he's still got a lot of speed. That's eventually like one of those things I think that will, when it starts showing, is eventually that speed's going to start slowing away. And the guys are going to start yes. having their ways uh, a little bit better. But when it comes to power, he, I mean, he can still take a punch and he still certainly gives a punch and uh, i think a lot of people thought pedro was going to have that answer and would have the power to to hurt him but you can't hurt what you can't catch that's it you know that's it all right the controversial moment of the night cb dalloway picks up a disqualification at five minutes of round one hector lombard uh delivers a punch that is either at the bell or after the bell depending on how you want to look at it and and I guess that's really where we have to to start now. I will say this: um, my understanding, speaking with Hector Lombard's team, they're planning on uh, appealing this result. Yeah, and we'll see how it goes. Watching live, I thought it was very, very clearly after the bell. Watching live and seeing, I I thought it was incredibly apparent. Now I went back and I did watch a replay as well. You know, since since the fight was over and I had a, a little bit of time while we were finishing up work. And when I watch it back, for whatever reason, it does seem closer to me. Like, it, it seemed incredibly yeah. obvious live. I, I don't know why that is, but it seemed incredibly obvious. I watch it back, and it seems a little bit more bang-bang. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. The, the the horn sounds, and Mark Smith gets stop. St- he yells, stop, stop, twice before Lombard lands the shot. Uh, see, see, that's the part that I, we were a, a little unclear in the back. And, you know, there was a lot of discussion. Most people in the back were of the mind that it's not the bell that stops the round. Right. This goes back to the discussion that you became know. prevalent after uh, GDR and Holly Holm, where there yeah. were the late shots. And then, and, yeah. and that's when the discussion really came out that, no, 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 the bell is an indicator, but yeah. it's the referee that the ref. really signals the stop. Right. And, and, and Mark Smith was not in between them physically, and that's maybe one place he could have improved yeah. is to been right there and touching them. That's but I the will say, he verbally yelled twice. And this was yeah. not this was not one of those Jose Aldo, Chad Mendes affairs where it's so loud you can't hear anything. Like yeah. They were on our side of the cage, and I could hear Mark Smith very clearly. And on the replay, you can hear it very clearly as well. He says, stop, stop. Yeah. So um, – that's the part that I didn't really catch in the back or did, couldn't really hear, uh, maybe because of all the, the noise in the back room or whatever. But what I was going off and what I was looking was the the, the ref's hand never really entered the, the space in that between the two when it came for the bell. And that's the part where, you know, he did – he obviously, I guess, made a, a, a verbal cue, but the fact that the visual wasn't there maybe in time. So I, could, I can guess kind of lean it towards that. So most people in the background – we're very adamant that uh, you know, the ref should have did a better job to have stopped it, that it was still kind of in the swing of motion. Um, but I think most of the fighters, you know, even though, yes, technically it is the ref that stops, I think most of them realize that, you know, when the bell goes, you, you kind of trained yourself 
to stop at that point, you know, and the fact that it didn't. And now that I hear, you know, or especially after Dana was talking about it too, that there was a verbal, you know, message to stop. Uh, that there, there was definitely, there was a couple beats in between there that uh, he, he could have dialed it down. I think so. Even the kind of point afterwards, you know, was kind of a little sort of shady when, CB's down, and he kind of gives it like this little like, Ugh. yeah, like yeah, take that. I wasn't you know, trying to see, I was trying to like, I, I don't know if he was trying to say like, you know, that was legal, or you know, I got you. I, I couldn't yeah, tell what that was about. Yeah, it seemed like it was more like I didn't get the feeling like it, that it was like a, uh, uh, that was good, that was still legal. It was more like, yeah, I put you on your ass kind of thing, you know. It's tough, man, and, and it's. <sighs> We know Hector Lombard is an angry little dude, you know what I mean? And so if he's going to get an opportunity to, to blast you, and, and I know that was probably a very frustrating round for him because, listen, Dalloway was fighting smart. Like, the crowd wasn't digging it. Yeah. But what are you supposed to do if you're Dalloway? You know what Lombard can do. You can't yeah, get touched out. Those little tiny yep. T-Rex arms, if they hit you, you're going to sleep, right? Yep. Yep. So you do what you should do. You stay away. You throw high kicks. CB Dalloway fought like Stefan Struve should have. You know what I mean? He's like staying. He's keeping yeah. the shorter guy away, right? Um, and then, and then you know, the, the, the kicks get, get countered. Uh, people weren't liking it. I thought C.B. Dalloway was fighting a smart fight. Uh, and he then was fighting the fight that would have won him. That, that would have won That would have won. Exactly. And then, and then he gets clocked. Um, and then, you know, Ugh. say what you will about the way things unfolded from there. You know, I saw I, – I know C.B. Dalloway has some, some people that don't like him. He has his, his haters, his detractors, if you will. And I, and I saw, you know, people saying, well, he's kind of handing it up a little bit. Or maybe he's a – I don't know that we can – I mean, I don't know that you can ever judge that. I mean, it, 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 he got clocked pretty solid by, by Hector Lombard, that's yeah. for sure. And, I mean, he would have had to keep selling it for the fact that, you know, they, they walk him out and then I guess they put him on the stretcher. They did bring him out on the stretcher. You know, and then take it. So, I mean, if, if he's going to take it that far, you know, he either really was buying into what he was trying to sell or he felt or believed that he was in that much damage and that it did hurt him that bad. So he need to be stretched. So I mean, you know, if that's the case and it's legit, and, and you, why would I think any different? You know, I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, that whole elevator thing happened. A lot of people thought he was playing that up. You know, right? That if that didn't happen, I don't think you would have as much, um, maybe little side chatter of people sort of saying, you know. But it did look like as soon as it happened, after you know he took that shot, you know, he he just didn't want to be in there. You know, it just it it was. It just seemed a little odd that, that that much damage, that he took that much damage after that shot. You know, he literally seemed like he was just out of it. And uh, um, while it was a rock-solid shot on his jaw, you know, uh, it just seemed like I was just a little surprised at how much damage that it did to him. But, you know, I've never taken a shot from Hector Lombard. And hope, and hope to not <laughs> and ever hope to, have to. And hope to not ever, you know. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. Um so you can only take it on face value, but it's it's one of those shots that people are going to be upset because you know it seemed like the fight was starting to show some promise. You yep. know, it's unfortunate, but you know, um, if if that is the case, I mean, both sides have some some issues or take some can take some blame, and maybe that fight not playing out to to how we thought it would be. Hopefully, we'll have some more with Lombard uh, tomorrow Sunday uh, as, as you're listening to this. So later today, I guess it's uh, I guess it is basically later day. It's three o'clock in the morning here. Uh, Zach Otto did pick up a TKO win over Mike Pyle. 
Uh, man, you know, I think you and I both enjoyed talking to Mike earlier this week. And, yeah, I wish we would have um, got him tonight. What we a what a class act! What a good dude! Uh, hanging it up. He was so frustrated, man. He, he was excited about this, and then he just got caught. And uh, no question about the stoppage. I mean, Zach Otto was pounding away, and yeah. uh, but you know, and Mike Pyle just immediately kind of got to his knees and started banging the canvas, just so frustrated at how things ended. Uh, it's just talks, man. This this sport, dude. You know, you. you, you You'd like to see the Cinderella ending, right? Where you go out yeah. and everything's beautiful and you get to ride off into the sunset and all those cliches. And, and uh, man, this fight game just doesn't allow that to happen. No. And it, I wish we I wish we really would have got him a chance to, to talk back in the back because I think we saw some emotion there towards that little quick interview that he did. But he never qu- really got a chance to, I think, say what he wanted to say for right. that last moment. Um, but, yeah, you, you, you want a guy to be able to kind of – go out and do it nice, you know, and uh, in fact, I even kind of asked Zach, you know, it's like a guy that, you know, do you feel like when a guy's given as much as Mike has done or any fighter that's given that much time, you know, does the UFC do enough to, to really build up that moment for them, you know, to kind of send them out with something, you know, because right. I just don't think they do. And I don't know, I don't know what I was expecting or what I would want, you know, whether it's a cheesy video package or something but these guys <laughs> that give so many good years of their life and then maybe even if the fight didn't go their way and they didn't get that post fight send them play something nice do something for them you know or maybe they could have did something this week knowing that something was going to happen you know they just feel like when a lot of these guys go out and you know that's it you know um give them a proper send-off whatever that is some sort of a bigger send-off um i don't know i just it was just unfortunate that that's the the last the last image that we're going to see on the screen from him. So I wish we would have got him in the back, so we got him a chance to maybe talk a little bit more and. Uh, Hopefully, we can catch up with him. He's know. still a Las Vegas resident. Yeah, I mean, we'll so. still see him. We'll still see him, but you know, it's not going to be not the same, same emotion as, of as what's going to happen tonight. You know, there was a a lot of shit going through his mind, but he's a cool character. I'm, when we get to and we talk to him, he's going to be the same, you know, Mike that we always see. But you know, tonight we probably had a good chance to get some real raw emotions you know that uh are always good to see not that we always want to see a guy like break down on on camera but i think anytime you're able to see just real emotions not these people just selling a fight i agree not doing whatever but just actually being real i mean it's 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 a beautiful thing and and that's one of the, the neater things that we get to see um I think covering this sport is, you know, we see that we always say it all the time. We see the highest of highs and the lows of lowest of lows. And anytime we can see real human emotion, I think it's uh, not that you want to see somebody sharing too much emotion, but in no, but it just so much bullshit that we see. Is, yes, man. we see so much bullshit on the TV sometimes and so much fake stuff. I mean, like to see real emotions from somebody that uh, we all respect and somebody that, uh, you know, in a sense, enables us to make a living you know i always want to make sure that we give them a chance to 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 get that out there and anytime we can kind of share those special moments with them i mean it's uh i think we all learn something from it it's so. funny that you say that i mean you know like this is one of those rare occasions where a guy did say going in like this is gonna be my last fight you know a lot of yeah. times it's afterwards where so we all knew we were all ready and it was funny like even as he walked by press row on his way to the back like i don't know there was some part of me like like maybe we need some protocol or something because like, I always say like like we shouldn't clap and stuff like that right but like yeah. when a guy retires at a press conference like I think it's weird to just like let them walk off the stage in yeah. silence because it's like yep 
okay. You know, it's like, I feel like it would be okay to clap or whatever. Yeah. So I almost felt like, like you it would have been cool. Have. I think the three of cool, you like, on press row could have got together and and clapped. Well, I mean, think of, even if even if like on press row, like if you if you just like knowing it's a guy's last fight, like if you just like stood up or something as he walked by and just gave him like a thank you or shake yeah. his hand or something like that. I don't know. Especially a guy that we've been covering for that long. I I don't know. It's I weird. think that would have been acceptable. I, I don't. I know. mean, that's. It seemed like the I right thing to do. do something, but of course, at the same time, the guy just got knocked out. So I, you know, you kind of want to let them beat themselves. You know, I they're, guarantee, they're though, their it, eye down. if you would have stood up and you would have reached out a hand or, or uh, clapped or something, he it would have registered. And I, I guarantee, if he reached his hand out, he would have stopped it. To, yeah. That's the kind of guy he is. He more so than maybe just a, another person. I guarantee you would have shook your hand and just said thank you, or or you gave you a chance to say thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Because I agree. I thought about it actually when he walked by. I actually saw you and I saw some of the others. I was like, man, what do we do at this moment? But that's what made me think: Does the UFC do enough, especially when they have the the four the the time and the forethought to actually put something together? Mm-hmm. You know, like just send them off, give them something. I mean, like, uh, I mean, he he wasn't like a former champ or anything, but this dude. Gave a lot of years to your organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just the sport itself, man. Yeah, I mean, he and, he and he went out like he fights. Like you know, when we said the other day, you know, his record reflects the fact that he goes out and throws, and a lot of times he takes that knockout or he t- gets finished because he's going out there and he's doing it. He's you fighting. know, and he did that again, and unfortunately, it led to it not working out his way. But he just ran into a tougher gentleman's night. So he did. But uh, shame. We'll we'll see him yeah. again soon for sure. Uh, Cody Simon picked up a uh, split decision win over Brian Caraway. Actually, Shane? had this. I know I can't always. I can't ever get his name right. <laughs> I, I, I meant even to, heard I meant it to tonight. Pay they said statement. I don't know. It was a statement, I right? Know. I, I, I can't know. even remember now. <laughs> I even thought to myself, I need to remember what it is because I I, I know I've said it yeah. wrong. All right, Cody picked up a win over Cody, Brian Caraway. <laughs> Split decision win. Cody uh, S. I, I actually scored this fight for uh, for Caraway, um, but I thought it was really close. Like I didn't okay. think this was one of those robberies. Um, I had I had a very close first and third for Caraway um, with Cody picking up the second round. Uh, but I mean, dude, Cody's takedown defense was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and and the other thing too is. And this Don't look at the stat count on the on the UFC website because it was clearly in Brian's favor. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't check that out. Like all three rounds, I, I think thought, he, I, he took it. I thought I thought Cody's takedown defense was impressive, and then not only that, he would he would uh, he would make Caraway pay. You know what I mean? It was it was a takedown. You know, it was a sprawl, and then and then let me tag you with a couple of punches. Not just sprawl and move away, sprawl and move away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He he was doing some fantastic things. So um, you know, I, I thought it was a great performance. I'm 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 high on Cody, man. I think he's a very, very talented prospect. Um, I, you know, going into it, I know that, um, you know, Brian Caraway was dealing with a lot of stuff. Should say too. I mean, uh, I, I thought it was. Pre- I mean, when we talked to him earlier this week, I thought it was pretty clear that he was. You know, he said it was allergies, but it was very clear that he was, uh, you know, having some difficulty breathing. And and uh, heck, I think even Stephen Morocco, who was doing the 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 video, was like, dude, you can see his eyes are watering. He's like, he's been crying. I'm like, no, it's just. Allergies. He was dealing with some illness, and of course, mm-hmm. he's had all the the personal things behind the scenes. And um, you know, he's he's a guy that does get get very <sighs> nervous beforehand. You didn't hear fucking uh, Rogan the the call. And I want to say, I just it looks like the stats have updated. Last time I saw, like the third round, Cody clearly took it took it away. So I guess the stats aren't so much in Brian's okay. favor anymore. But it, when you look at all of them together, it was one sixteen to one fifteen sixteen in Brian's favor. Um, 
23 attempted takedowns. Um, but 23 attempted yeah, takedowns. But Rogan, I, and I have to go back wow. and listen, but Rogan brought up, like, you know, some of the, the past that Brian's had some hard times. He brought up, like, how his ex-girlfriend, like, was, like, pregnant with somebody else or something. What was it? Publicly, publicly pregnant. pregnant. Is there a way but, to be privately pregnant? Well, yeah, I mean, right? I guess if you go out of the public eye. But still, I mean, even just to bring it up while he's walking out the fight, you're bringing that stuff up, and it was just like it caught a it's lot of people off. They're just like, "What? What is he saying?" A lot of people, you know, it seemed in the back. Rogan was just in a weird sorts, and I don't know if it was because of, you know, starting that the whole motion with the the setup at the start with Bruce, um, you know, paying tribute <sighs> to longtime producer Bruce Connell or. I don't know. He just seemed weird tonight. He seemed off, you know, like maybe he switched to a different type of weed or something tonight, and he just kind of was in a weird sorts. But, yeah, he said some random weird shit tonight that was just kind of weird. <laughs> well, you, ta- you know, but, Shifting gears, but just since you did touch on Bruce Connell, a uh, very nice tribute, man. Very, very nice tribute. I to thought so as well. Part. It was and great. What a, what a, you know, a, a bunch of pictures and stuff that were cool. They really – uh, a read from Joe Rogan that kind of put it all in perspective. I mean, a guy that's been around since I believe UFC 17 was his first UFC. He's done. Yeah, over if you've watched the UFC event, you've watched the show that this guy's produced. He <laughs> literally should. And I, I don't know how much people know about TV production, but like being a TV producer of a live uh, sporting event, especially with as many elements as the UFC has, that is some stressful shit. Yeah. You know, just getting all the elements firing together, commanding a bunch of people, then you know, giving. You know, just from the format meetings at the beginning to, I mean, dude, if you ever look at like a run sheet of what a, tele- a live television production event looks like, it's it's incredible, like how many moving yeah. parts there are to it. Um, so the guy was incredibly talented in what he did, and as most people tell you, I mean, basically shaped the way UFC broadcasts look. Um, but on top of that, was just a good dude. I mean, a, a really really nice guy. A lot of people will will tell you, you know, how much personal influence they had, professional influence he had. Uh, the last time I really got to spend some time with them was uh, on the way down to Sydney uh, a couple months back and hung out in the lounge with them uh, at LAX for a while. We, we we had a couple glasses of wine together and just sat there and shot the shit. And, I mean, just a, a really good dude and, 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 and passed away unexpectedly. And I think a lot of people um, who probably never heard the name before were probably surprised to see how much outpouring of, of love and support there was yeah. on, on social media. But I thought the uh, – I mean, I thought the little package they put together was 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 a, a nice tribute, and then and then what a cool element to to have his voice, you know, counting to off. count. Oh that man, was that was what neat. a cool way that was, man, yeah. to, to to kick off the broadcast. So um, touching, and, and should say this too, um, uh, a nice tribute as well to the shooting victims in Florida, which I which was. Um, that they, they ran in house as well. I don't know if they put that on the broadcast or not. Yeah, but I don't. I don't remember it seeing was, that. It was it, it was a nice touch as well, and um, you know, emotional as well. You know, the photos of all the children and everything. I mean, it was just a lot of emotional moments tonight too. But uh, man, shout out to Bruce. I will say I was so so cool to see all the um, again the outpouring of, of support, and not only the people that are in the UFC, but the, but the people that aren't in the UFC that had worked with him. In other broadcasts that, mm. that that knew, you know, kind of how talented he was. It was uh, it was a crazy, crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy week. Uh, all right, uh, Jordan Johnson picked up a split decision win over Adam Milstead in our first fight of the night. Um, this was not a, a, a very pretty fight either, um, but I did think the right guy won the fight. Uh, you know, I, I was surprised kind of as well that this was a, a split decision. Um, Adam Milstead was. Um, was very very frustrated, uh, but but I gotta say I mean th- this was a situation. It's kind of funny with this um, and, and and the Cody and Brian fight back to back. 
you know, Milstead was doing a lot of takedown defense, but then he wasn't doing anything once he defended the takedown. Like, if you're getting pressed against the cage, if you're getting held, if you're constantly defending, you're still on defense. That's not offense. I mean, I get that you're shutting down a guy's takedowns, but you're not doing anything. And, yes, Jordan Johnson wasn't doing a whole lot in terms of, like, meaningful offense. It was a bunch of little short pitter-pat shots. Um, but it's still offense. He was still staying busy. So um, it wasn't a beautiful way to start the night, but I, I definitely thought um, – the right guy won, and um, again, it was bizarre that it was a split decision and started off. Well, I was going to say that decisions. was the only weird thing because even looking at the stats count, <laughs> he he was outstruck or he outstruck his opponent by like a hundred strikes. There was no round where Milstead had more strikes, uh, and for a ref to give him twenty-seven thirty, oh, gave him you know it just. It's like, dude, if you're, con- easy if you're constantly watching. defending takedowns, cool. You're constantly defending takedowns, but you're not doing anything offensive. Yeah. you still got to counter back. So, uh, yeah, anyway, enough said about that. I don't Crazy. think people will be watching that one. No, people won't be pulling that one up on USC Fight Pass anytime soon. <laughs> Just tell them, tell them don't, don't even worry about archiving. Don't even, don't even put it on the USC <laughs> TV. It, it's cool. Pretend it never happened. So, All right, well, listen, it's late, and I know we still got to do a quick little edit, and I'm going to take the, uh, the young Mike Bond to the airport so that he can uh, fly home to Canada. And then I'm going to start my vacation. I'm not really doing anything, though. I'm just staying at home. Staycation. It's a staycation. I'm burning some days. I never use all my vacation. Those are nice. Uh, And uh, so I promised my my wife that I would try to use all my days this year, even if it meant that I just stayed home a little bit and spent some more time around the house. So vacation, but... You know that means the road show doesn't stop. We still mm-hmm. we still gonna get together on Thursday. Mm-hmm. We may do a day show. We may do I don't know. We'll figure something out. Yeah. So how many days are you guys gonna go to beat ups? Uh, probably probably like all of them. Probably <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably like all of them. No, no, I might cook at home a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> probably all of them. All right. Well, listen, I gotta I gotta drop uh, the young Mike Bond off the airport so I can go to beat ups. Because you know what's awesome about Vegas? It'll be four o'clock in the morning when I get to beat ups. And they'll still be serving some hot wings still going and some to beat cold I beer. I love it. I'll get home about 5, 30, 6 in the morning, crawl up in bed, <laughs> ah, get a little sleep on a Sunday afternoon. You can't do that anywhere else. That's true. This Only Vegas. in Vegas. Damn straight. All right, USC 222 in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, thanks for listening.